Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangeley Capital Podcast. This is a 15-minute weekly podcast and the clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, a portfolio manager at Rangeley Capital, and with me as always is my co-host and the founder of Rangeley Capital, Chris Demute. It is Friday, November 6th, and we're going to kick things off with Chris's article this week. The article is Diamonds Are Bullshit. It's an article from March 2013 on Priceonomics, and it's actually based on a 1982 article from The Atlantic, but we're talking about the March 2013 one. Uh, So Chris, what do you think? Oh, Chris, uh, one thing. I guarantee you this is going to be the closest, or possibly we will go over the line. Probably something politically incorrect is going to get spoken. You or me, who do you think says it? Um, I don't know. I think I'm so right on this uh, that uh, that I might be able to control myself. I would say you, but we will. We will. Okay, we will say. I agree. I agree. So uh, let's kick it off. Pri- Diamonds are bullshit. Uh, the article talks about how they're too expensive. They were a manufactured by kind of Madison Avenue and a monopoly. So what do you think? I'm a single guy. If I meet a girl, what are the odds I can get away with not getting her a diamond? Hey, diamonds are bullshit. I'm not getting you one. Andrew, this is not just a topic. This is an intervention. <laughs> this is something that I've long cared about, railed about. I am intensely dedicated to this topic. I cared about this before, long before the article. And when it came out, it just jumped off the page to me. Uh, you know, it says that something like 80% of Yep. Uh, if people would get a ring through their fiance. And that seems low to me. I, I would actually think more just based on my experience. Um, which probably has some socioeconomic in, in, in the higher circles yeah, that, yeah. You, uh, that you uh, run in. It's super fancy, uh, but, yeah, of uh, course. But I would say that there's very, very good odds that you can win, that you can beat this. I, I think that you can impress uh, young women with the force of logic. And that I think that that is an underrated part of romance, which is just raw, <laughs> unadulterated truth. And you just hit them with it. And, and that's just something that I think is going to take you a, a long uh, way. Um, and so I think you're going to win here. I, I would like to think so, but every girlfriend I've ever had will disagree with you. Uh, what about you? Did you win your argument that diamonds are bullshit? I don't want to talk about me personally <laughs> on this podcast, and so I'm going to talk at a more theoretical, general level. I can... uh, the, the consistency is one of the lowest uh, rated virtues in my mind. I mean, people are very sensitive about being hypocrites, but I would say, Andrew, that if you can be a little right, that's better than consistently wrong. So... I, I will tell you, Chris, I'm going to call you out on this one, Chris. I think our listeners will appreciate it. Chris came in here and he was railing on diamonds for bullshit. And I asked him this question before and he was so proud of himself. He was like, absolutely not. You need to look on Elizabeth's finger at some point. So um, I really think that uh, how much vig that you pay in life is perfectly correlated with how much of a schmuck that you are. Yes, yes. And that, you know, really that showing off is really the process of faking something that's actually moving you farther away from what you're pretending to be. Um, And so my case that I think you can make, and I think you can be my test case on this, uh, because I think it's a very convincing argument, uh, is to tell her, when you meet the right one, say, look, I can give you a physical diamond ring. It'll look like a diamond. Um, Your friends will see it. It'll be a diamond. 
But the reality is that when you buy a depreciating asset, denominated in carrots over time, the theoretical wealth you have, the diamond buying ability, is actually going down. Mm -hmm. But instead, you don't get a diamond. <laughs> and she has no physical diamond. It's not a diamond she wears in her hand. Your theoretical, not purchased diamond, is getting bigger in terms of carrots. That every year you compound, buying undervalued investments with an intrinsic value that increases. That the value of the diamond she doesn't have is going up. And so that's something that hypothetically she could really, really appreciate. I, I think these are all great arguments. Let me ask you this from a different point of view. Do you think there is some value to the married man giving his wife a diamond purely because it's a socially acceptable thing for a woman to wear that will always say, I am taken? No, absolutely not. I, I think that I think that one of the big life decisions that somebody has to make is whether you want to look a certain way, whether you want to project something, mm -hmm. uh, project uh, uh, the relationship, project pr project your success, and at the same time, that's pathetic. That implies that the first guy she bumps into. <laughs> is other than a diamond on her finger going to be preferable to, to you. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, it's trying to show off that you're this big, rich guy, but you're now that much less rich. You know, you, you buy a $10,000 diamond, you're $5,000 poorer the second you buy it. Uh, so I think it's a fraud. I think it's a lie. And I think that you should be no part of it. And, and if you look at say, what kind of lie is this? And say, look, it's taking the salesman and pretending he's your trusted advisor and yep. friend. And that is just a bad idea. Cecil Rhodes, who was the monopolist here, he never married, he never bought anybody a diamond for a gift for anybody, and he could have bought it wholesale. <laughs> That's great. Uh, let me, so this was obviously diamonds kind of the article suggests were started by Madison Avenue and a diamond monopoly. Do you think today, uh, you know, a diamond status symbol, do you think today with everyone posting on Instagram and Facebook and you generally only post the happiest kind of, you look the best, most successful moments of your life. Do you think people are more susceptible to this kind of diamonds, ostentatious buy things you don't need than they were 20, 30, 50, a hundred years ago? Absolutely, and I have a couple of things I want to say in that. Do you have any examples? Go ahead. I want to pull back a little bit because there's some things here that I think is another whole week of material <laughs> on uh, the uh, social networking. I mean, since uh, since we decided we are going to use the word bullshit this week yes. on the podcast, yes. we we need to kind of set the tone and the bar, and we're going to lower it enough that we can use that. We need to use it again, uh, but that uh, that, uh, that you get more of that with social media uh, and the phoniness of that, raising the standards of what you of, of the Joneses. The, the more phony the Joneses are, yep. the keeping up with the Joneses becomes more and more expensive, um, and uh, so it's a bigger problem. And if you want to show off, which I think is you know kind of your. It's, it's really a function of how much of a jackass you are that says, you know, this is something I care about and I need to pretend. And the amount of self-defeating pretend can become astonishing, especially when everybody is pretty good uh, at doing that. Uh, one little recent example 
is uh, uh, LL uh, Cool J. And I hope if I Wait, knew, are you thinking Fifty Cent? I, I I would like to hereby apologize to Mr. Cool J. I meant Fifty. I knew exactly and, where you were going. Like we apologize to you. So uh, Fifty yep, Mr. Yep. Fifty Cent. Uh, he has had a really dramatic example of this because he's been in bankruptcy court where he's had to explain to the judge how he I has don't no have assets. enough money he has to pay. No money. I don't have, basically, and, I don't have enough money to pay my wife. And he will go, he'll walk out of the courtroom and he'll tweet, psych, just kidding. And he'll kind of sprawl over you know, a leopard skin interior Rolls Royce. While setting hundreds on fire. <laughs> and, and his whole kind of shtick persona is being rich guy. And then, of course, the the the, the uh, lawyers and the judge see all this stuff. And so on an almost daily basis, he has to go back and forth uh, pretending one and then pretending the other. Um, so that's that's the kind of trouble you can get into. Okay, uh, so oh, we've got plenty of time to cut out our stock for the day. Uh, I have two more questions on here. So let's go with the first one. We buy these diamond rings, you know, uh, the article suggests kind of $4,000 is the average ring. It's probably worth 2000 after you take the mark off yeah. as soon as you want to sell it. And these are our most precious possessions, right? We put them in lock boxes, safety deposit boxes, all this sort of stuff. Is there anything else where our level of, oh, we also insure them, where our level of insurance and protection is so high relative to the actual value of what the asset is worth? Oh, that is, that is a great question. This is probably one of the worst cases. Uh, art can be another category yeah. uh, that is a pretty problematic uh, which we'll have another week on. That uh, is true. That and, is true. Uh, but this this is a terrible case. I mean, I would be if at the end of my life, I have accomplished getting you to never buy a diamond ring retail. I would be very very happy with that. It's not all I want to do, but it's one of the things I want to do. Um, can I just get offer fallback? Can I offer fallback? Uh, which is uh, if I fail. If you meet somebody who is <laughs> has persuasive powers this, or interesting, I would say that's beyond what I have to offer. <laughs> um, I hope that never happens. I don't expect it to happen. But if things go that direction, I have two little fallbacks, which is please, 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 never buy diamonds. If you do, please don't overpay for something that is beyond what the eye can see. I mean, when you have these really outrageous ones, you know, yeah. if you go to the high, high, high end, you're walking down Fifth Avenue and you walk into Graph or somewhere and say, why is this a million dollars supposed to half? They will look at you like you're an idiot. And they'll say, sir, well, there, there, there's, this, is, this has no invisible inclusion. Yeah. But the idea of not just overpaying for something that's a scam. For an invisible. The scam yeah. within the scam of saying something that is nonsense, but the invisible parts of that is really, really crazy. So please don't do that. And then the other one I would say is if you can miss a carrot, the one thing that really is a, a, a less awful way to buy diamond is that uh, somebody is asked, how many carrots is it? It's one, two, three. If you can miss the the, the savings on the tenth or a or a five percent of the two point nine go three point nine three point nine four point nine uh, you'll you'll save a very high percentage of the marginal. Yeah. Carrot. So you Chris and I front run each other all the time. So my my next question was actually Chris is better than anyone I know at kind of buying things at a discount, uh, kind of off the market. So that's where I was going. I was also going to try and talk about you know this hundred percent retail markup. This seems ripe for disruption. 
Uh, why hasn't this been disrupted yet? I think we kind of need to get to our question of the day, so I'm sure we'll get to that in our uh, art podcast in a couple weeks. So Definitely. Everyone will just have to listen to the art podcast. So our question of the day, very related to Diamonds Are Bullshit, is what is something worth, and can you answer what something is worth without a way to buy or sell? And Chris, I'm going to let you just go ahead and dive into it. I think that value is very hard to get at without some subsequent transaction at some level. Yep. And so, you know, I think the old value investing cliche, which I, I love to hear, I say it all the time, but boy, does that, is buying a dollar with 50 cents. Uh, but how do you know, you know, you're paying 50 cents, how do you know it's really a dollar? I think you need some subsequent transaction either in the security or at least in the underlying company. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be the stock market, but it needs to be cash flow and earnings require some kind of transaction. Yeah. You know, it, this is an interesting one because uh, obviously we both run portfolios. Uh, we kind of need stocks and active trades to be able to do what we do. But I think liquidity in terms of the stock market is so overrated. Like if you look at a company and you decide, oh, this is a good company, it's trading a discount on buying these cash flows at an attractive value, it shouldn't really impact your your thoughts one way or the other if it's down 10% or up 10% smart. Actually, I think a lot of times you can get a little too involved where you see it's down 20% and you just panic and you, you drive yourself to panic sell. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of research out there that shows those emotions are what hold individual investors back. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to think of something. Can you think of any asset that actually cannot be bought or sold once you own it? I actually couldn't come up with an asset. Like, look, even if you own a house, you bought it peak 2007 real estate market, you're underwater on it. If you really wanted, you could turn around and find someone to buy it tomorrow. Can you find someone to buy it at a price you'd accept is the question, but you could always buy or sell something. So I said you were going to be the one in trouble. I, I, I can tell you it's in my head and I'm just, I, I have an answer, but I don't know if I, which is, which is kids. Uh, you know, I, I have three and, uh, and I, I've always thought there's ways to monetize them, but uh, you can't, like you can't, uh, you can't get highly compensated for adoption if you're done with them. Like I, you know, uh, 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 we have three and some people say, oh, do you want three or four? And my, my usual answer is two, um, but it's just in different times, I, I, we two of the three I want to keep you know I thought that I, I thought that if you could monetize the third the performance of the other two would <laughs> greatly improve and then you could let the kids know you're going to monetize one you give so them a year or two yeah, yeah. No, and uh, so I think I could I don't know which two I keep but if you could get a really good deal for the third um, so uh, I, I, uh, that, that's one I, I know of no legal way that's socially acceptable but that would be just to answer your question. I can see the headlines now. We talk about monetizing children on this episode of the podcast. People say yeah. they want them, so there has to be a demand side of the market that you can't. It, it, I guess pets too. You know, it, it, pets obviously aren't as I guess they aren't as valuable as children, but you can't really monetize a pet in any way. A, a, a serious answer, though, uh, which I think is seriously pits. Uh, 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 soft-hearted and minded people against hard-hearted and minded people uh, is organ donation. Is that, yes. that, 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 that from a serious uh, and while I was at least somewhat joking about the latter, I'm, I'm not joking here, yes. uh, was that, uh, that if you look at uh, the actual human cost in reality, uh, trying to prevent the appearance of being opportunistic or exploitative, uh, it would save lives. 
hundred uh, percent. I, I think we both were agreed on that, but we're out of time. We'll have to call it. Uh, that's all the time we have. We really appreciate you listening. If you like this podcast, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. We're on both as the Rangeley Capital Weekly Podcast. Uh, if you like our ideas, but you can kind of do without our voices or without pre-screening the political correctness of everything, uh, please be sure to follow Chris and me on Seeking Alpha. Chris writes the m Daily column. I write the weekly Investing with an Edge column. Thanks again for, for listening, and we will talk to you next week.